0: Magic.
1: Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing this week? Terrible again. My voice is you, just blown out. You sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we have we have a really exciting episode today. I'm really. This is probably one of the first episodes we've done like a good amount of research uh, prior to recording. So I'm pretty excited for this one. I put work in Pat. You I You did. I read, you had notes. I read you had
2: notes. I had notes. I read articles. I, I broke read a out book the highlighter.
1: <laughs> I read a book. <laughs> it's true, you did read a book. <laughs> I didn't even know you could read. I mean personally I think books are for nerds, but <laughs> uh, you know.
2: That that jock in you always always comes out. You can take the uh, take the jock off the field, but you can't take the field out of the jock is that's the yeah, idiom,
1: right? That, that it, totally makes it. perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I nailed that. I nailed uh, that. <laughs> As always, we want to thank Hips of the Coast for bringing you guys Leaving a Legacy every Friday. You can also find us on the Top Decked app as well. Uh, also, if you want to support the show directly, you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode, uh, even a little bit. Takes us a long way, guys. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, We have some great rewards in there. We have stickers and play mats and more. Check it out. Link is in the show notes. So, Jerry, uh, how about you introduce our guests this week and also our topic? Yeah, so uh, this week
2: uh, we're doing something a little different. We're doing a little history lesson this week. Uh, uh, Our friend of the cast, R.J. Elvester, requested the History of Blue-White control one of our ads. one of our
1: mythic level supporters on Patreon by the way
2: yes yes pat you get that corporate chilling in hey you know <laughs> someone's, someone's gotta pay the bills around here man I know, I know. I'm I'm just the the frivolous uh member of this relationship who just spends the money. You got to right, bring it right. in, Pat. Right, I appreciate
0: exactly.
2: you. <laughs> uh but yeah, RJ uh requested the history of Blue White Control. So today we asked our friend Steve Hendrickson on the cast. Steve, how are you doing today?
3: Hey guys, how are you guys doing?
2: Awesome. So Steve, thanks for coming on. You are, quote unquote, a historian of blue white control in the Legacy format. Why don't you kind of tell our listeners, you know, what your experience with Magic is when you started out and, yeah, kind of about your favorite type of way to play Magic?
3: Yeah, I've played on and off from the beginning. Um, As far as my style has always been the blue white control, Um, Tundra Mage is coin I'm stealing from, uh, a term I'm stealing from the Card Kingdom guys, they call it Tundra Mages, those are mages that really don't want to ever win the game, they just never want to lose we, <laughs> we like magic we like magic so much that we want to play our entire 50 minutes and plus some time so don't bother with win cons, just try to never die and I mean, I played Legacy since before, it, you know, it was 1.5 and I just, I've always enjoyed the fact that I get to play my cards and I don't have to worry about rotations and everything else. I've played standard at several points. Uh, the last standard that I played heavily was return to Ravnica block because of some spell called Sphinx Revelation. It might be a blue-white spell. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. might draw cards and gain life. I'm not sure. But um, it was just, uh, you know, I mean, that's just how I've been since I've started.
2: Awesome, and so you you actually started with alpha beta, or uh, when when did you come into it? I mean, it was it
3: was revised. So yeah, pretty much. It's like yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, like it, well, like I don't. People talk about they played alpha beta, and I never saw alpha beta, and I went to comic book stores looking for it. It was kind yeah. of a thing where I was always going to comic book stores because I was a as Patrick called nerd, and I read books. They were comic books, <laughs> but. You it's know,
2: true. Then, I, I remember stories of, you know, the old days, and you know, getting alpha beta packs was hard. Like, like Magic sold out quick, and right. that's that's what led, like, Unlimited was supposed to be an unlimited print run, and then they sold out of that, and they're like, oh, we kind of need to tweak this a bit, and then we got revised, and revised was kind of when people were really able to consistently get cards. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sarah Angel,
3: for me, was, like, the, the, the coolest card ever. It was an angel. It was you know on the offense and defense it was just it was everything
1: you know <laughs> one of one of the yeah. very few creatures early on that actually had uh proto vigilance right
3: oh i mean yeah it had vigilance basically
1: but i mean like it was one of the few creatures that actually had that before it was a mechanic but it actually so had that ability v- yeah you think of a vigilance as like one of the
2: oldest keywords ever and sarah angel was before vigilance was yeah the it, and there,
1: there just but, weren't a lot of creatures that had the ability to attack without tapping so that was pretty unique at right. the time.
3: Oh, I mean, I remember when they printed. Uh, I think it was Future Sight. It was or oh, Time Spiral, the the blue version of Sarah Angel, the the Sarah sphakes. and it was just a, a redone blue version of it. It was just like, oh my god, look at this! It's a. You know, I don't even have to play white if I don't want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so you know you're perfect, Steve, to kind of go over uh, this topic that we have today. Um so I think really just the history of the deck starts even before Legacy was a format. Um oh, yeah. so it's affectionately known as quote unquote just the deck. Yeah. Um and it was, you know, it many consider it to be one of the first magic decks. And Pat, you uh you've done a lot of reading about uh the format. Do you wanna kinda of go over that? Yeah,
1: so um I I was reading Titus Chalk's book, uh, Generation Decks. It's actually a book that I picked up um back in Vegas last summer and I'm uh, you know, midway through the book now, which tells you how much I truly believe that books are <laughs> indeed for nerds. Um, but he actually has a whole chapter devoted to uh, to the deck because it really was, you know, a lot of the book really concerns itself with the phenomena of magic and, like, how it really became a grassroots um, uh, community. Uh, and the deck was really the first um, deck that was out there that really kind of broke the metagame and really took advantage of what was... Really, not really considered a um, uh, a thing at the time, which was card advantage. And the the first iteration of was like a blue, black, white deck uh, that Brian Weissman built with his friend Matt Wallace. And these two guys built this this blue, black, white deck. And they they originally, when they were playing Magic, they would play uh, they would start at forty life, so they were able to get these really long, grindy games. And uh, I think that's kind of helped determine sort of the direction for this deck. But um, it, the the blue, black, white deck it was an Esper deck, and it was generating a lot of card advantages, cards like Mind Twist, Library of Alexandria, had permission spells like Counterspell and Power Sync, um, and then also used Acceleration, and this is kind of funny thinking about Legacy, but they were able to use cards like the Moxin and Mana Vaults to ramp, and they had they played four Juggernauts and four Mahatmati, Mahatmati Jin, uh Jins, and uh, that those were their creatures to close out the game. Um, and uh, the, the I think the first real big breakout for the deck was at Manifest, and uh, Matt Wallace was actually, who was a friend of Brian's, um, they didn't have enough libraries and mind twists between the two of them to make the, the de- two copies of the deck, so they had to do a coin toss, and his friend Matt ended up uh, winning the coin toss, and he took it took down that event, uh, which was like a fairly large event. I think they said a 500-player event, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, which is pretty massive, if, and if I'm that's, wrong, please... That's like even big considered for these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. If I'm wrong, yeah, we, please, I mean... please feel free to correct me, but I'm pretty sure... That yeah, was, and uh, it, was, it was like it was
2: like 1994,
1: just to yeah. put it in context. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because this is pre, this is pre Legends, because that's when the the deck uh, got a new iteration. So, um, <clears throat>
3: yes, moat.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this was what, I, which is something I specifically wanted to bring up. Um, so this was kind of like Matt's, this was the, the pinnacle of Matt's kind of magic career because shortly after this, he actually quit magic and just went to, uh, to work for an, um, an ISP and one of the early ISPs. Um, but Brian kept kind of refining the deck because he wanted to bring it out to more tournaments. Um, after having like a, uh, a so-so showing at one event, he, uh, went back to the drawing board when, uh, got some cards from Legends. Uh, because mind twist had been restricted. So <clears throat> he uh he could only play one copy when you had a, a card like Mind Twist restricted. So using some new legends cards, um and the ones that they kind of noted were were Disrupting Scepter, Mana Drain, which kinda replaced uh which kind of replaced Counter Spell, was a little bit more powerful of card. And also Moat. Uh because instead now instead of running uh, eight creatures, he could just run four Sarah Angels. And that was his uh that was his uh, win condition in the deck. And I just wanted to read a quote um, from Jim Lynn, who was one of the East Coast playtesters. Um, and I thought it was really interesting about, uh, about uh, well, a Wizards' employee and how they kind of looked at the deck. And he said, and I quote, um, This is the first time I think the Magic environment had seen a deck like that. People were just amazed at it. I was amazed at it. I couldn't believe it was so successful. And uh, yeah, within a month or two, everyone everyone really started to to learn about this deck and and copy the deck. And I think it's uh the, like again the first real control deck in the game, and uh, the first one to really um, ride that hard edge of card advantage, and something that obviously has stuck with that that deck in particular throughout time. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were like combo decks, like Channel Fireball, had
2: existed. Um, that were like two card combos. I think what really the deck brought to Legacy Two was just synergy. It was just mm-hmm. a deck that maximizes synergy and efficiency.
3: Um, right. You know, it has a specific game plan. But yeah,
2: go, Steve. Do uh, you have uh, first hand experience with the deck?
3: Oh, so the deck was great because it um, it answered everything. It was a it was a it was basically like how the miracles decks are today. They just they tried to answer everything at once. They had stuff for burn. They had stuff for because there were mono red aggro strategies back then, um, and there was just there was it was you didn't know because if the internet wasn't as prevalent with Magic. Like you know everything was kind of word of the mouth ish, so you had to be ready. And you, I mean, Scry magazine. Oh god! Oh, I read the so, Duelist,
1: but... man. I love the <laughs> Duelist.
3: <laughs> You don't read. You just said you don't read. I looked at the pictures <laughs> on Duelist. You're right. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, but it had like I mean the, the deck I remember had like four counterspell and four mana drains because I mean it doesn't matter what like we're 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 privileged magicians now. We have one drop like crazy, but mm-hmm. back then like two mana counter something that was that was better than anything at any rate. So. um and you had, like, you had Disenchant. Disenchant was huge. Disenchant was like yeah, when the boxing.
2: Yeah, when everyone's playing moxes Disenchant's value goes way up. <laughs> right.
3: And I mean, like, you know, the win cons, there was, you know, there were several. It's just, it was really good. And, you know, Control Magic also was heavily played, man. I think I played like three other, Because, like, why run win conditions when you can just take your opponents? Yeah, so when it was
2: a an Esper deck, it ran Control Magic, and then I was reading when they introduced Moat to it, all of a sudden, they don't need to care about any creature that doesn't have flying. So now right. they just have the four swords to plowshares. All I care about is clearing your skies, and then I beat you down with Sarah Angel. So I don't even need these Control Magics
3: anymore. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a fun, I, I mean, I still, I have my Moat. Like I have two moats and everybody's like, "Oh, your moats, you this, that, and the other." Well, moats weren't expensive. Like it wasn't the same. So, like you know, I tell people all the time, I have a moat, I have two moats, and I have a tabernacle, and everybody's like, "Oh, you," because of this, you bought these in. I was like, "No, I got them when they were nothing, and, and now they're worth something." Like you didn't, you know, you didn't run more than one tabernacle, and you didn't run more than two moats. So, I mean, it was just, it's a different. It was a different era of magic. Things weren't expensive. Everybody wanted shivan Dragon and Sarah Angel. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean that that was the go to cards. But I mean like Disenchants were I, I to to frame it, disenchants were so important because they dealt with Juggernaut, which was very popular.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And they dealt with the moxon or and the opposing scepters. Because one Scepter got out, but like it wasn't like Disenchants a sideboard card that we play now. Disenchants were main deck, just and they were so good. It's kind of
2: over the years, magic has become more complex and complicated, and they've added more types to the point where it almost dilutes the format, you know, the format a bit. Where back in the day, you basically had you have creatures, you have spells, you have artifacts and a couple enchantments. So disenchant deals with 50 percent of card types,
3: whereas today disenchant hits a lot less than it used to. (laughs) Well, I mean, as we go through the history, there was one giant printing of a new card type that has influenced the entire way we build decks and how decks are now today
2: that is true we will little little foreshadowing there (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that was kind of the deck it was the first uh, real control deck and this is about like three years before legacy even starts becoming a format because now it's still so early in the introduction of magic that basically everything is standard <laughs> they, they have a standard block and now going forward we're actually getting to the point where people are thinking about you know as the years go on we get more and more sets maybe we want to divide magic up to you know these these types of eras and that's where we get you know type 1.5 in 1997 so back in the day Type 1 is what we think of as vintage. Type 1.5 is more or less what we think of as legacy. And Type 2 is what we would call standard today. Um, so basically between, you know, the deck and Type 1.5, you know, was there much uh, change? Was Or was it just kind of the basic strategy adding in a couple cards as we go over the years?
3: Yeah, I mean, basically, like for the Thunder Mages like me, I mean, it, it's, it's really funny. If you look at the deck and you look at... Current miracles, you see, tundra, counterspell, volcanic island, red blast, disenchant. These are all cards played then. They're still played. There's not mm-hmm. been much. There's not actually been much of a change except for what's impacted all of Legacy. So like when Onslaught came out, and and well, Mass came out, brainstorm, but nobody cared. Onslaught and brainstorm, the Onslaught fetches and brainstorm, all of Legacy cared. You know, like it was just, it's, and, it, and it's you know. It, does, it affects everything we do today. Right. So, and but that's.
2: They can, the control deck just kind of molds itself around, you know, because that's what a good control deck does. It reacts to its environment uh, and, you know, keeps its thumb on it. So if the rest of the meta is shifting, then the control deck is going to
3: shift as well. Right. So, um, I mean, basically, the biggest thing is uh, standstill. Right. So
2: moving forward to give some context, going from about. You know, 94, 95 to 1997 is when 1.5 really became a format. And moving on from there, there wasn't much change until 2001 when Odyssey came out. And tell,
3: tell us about Standstill a bit. Oh, Standstill was the best thing ever. If you never want to, if you want to just not not win and play Magic forever, Standstill is your card. <laughs> you do nothing. Exactly. It's, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Me too. Oh, there is a giant difference in today's meta game versus then. There was no Delver. There was no death right. There weren't these punishing one drops that you that could get under your standstill. There was a lot of times that your standstill could come down, and your opponent would have to crack it. So mm-hmm. it was. It was, and there was, you know, a lot of philosophy like crack it right away, so they have to discard and whatever. It doesn't matter if you're, you had a standstill in your opener and it landed. You probably were going to win your game. So. Mm-hmm. And were you, was it being
2: paired with things like Fairy, Conclave, and Mishra's Factory? Or what was what was kind of the, the shell of the blue-white? You know, we talked about Tundra, Disenchant, Source of Plashers, Counterspell. Those are the
3: standbys. What else did you kind of play to take advantage of, standstill? I don't remember Fa- or Conclave being right away. I mean, Conclave was definitely in the deck later on. Hmm. Um, and I can't, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now on when that card came out. Factory, we had Con- a fourth of- fourth edition and early. Yeah. Con-
2: Conclave was Urza's prophecy. So, but it was, it was already out uh, when standstill was
3: printed. I don't, I don't remember using it right away. Some people may have, I remember factories cause I've got my, mm-hmm. my seasonal set. I've got one of every seat of the season and I will never give them up. The great, my winter looks like it's been through winter, but uh, <laughs> it, you know, the game of Thrones winter is coming. It, it came for my winter, but uh, I, I, it's just great. I mean, you you played those cards, you got to land stand still if they didn't want to give you the cards, you just beat them to death with 22s and and if they didn't, then, you know, if they did give you the cards, well, you just get closer to your one of your big splashy win conditions. The uh, Decree of Justice was amazing when it was printed.
2: Exactly. So yeah, so Standstill was kind of just added to the deck. You didn't really try and take advantage of it so much as just you played around it?
3: Um, No, I'm sorry. Standstill changed the evolution of the deck because we added the the factories, and we also started on uh, mana dial strategies of our own uh, Mm -hmm. because you wanted wastelands for opposing factories, and it also is just great to wasteland your opponent, and if they don't have anything, you win. Gotcha. So I'm trying to remember when Wasteland was Tempest, so... Yeah, so Wasteland was out at this point. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't actually, like, super prevalent and expensive. It was... Right.
2: Wasteland was still... I, I remember even when I was playing in, like, Odyssey Block, you could get Wasteland's out of the dollar binder.
3: Right, right. They were they were super cheap. Um, and it was... I mean, they were great. I mean, they basically... It was, it was kind of like mirror technology. Like, I don't want them, their factories to get me. And you know, mm-hmm. this gets this gets through the standstill, but it also was like you just win the game. So, I mean,
2: exactly. So you know, standstill was printed in two thousand and one, and then pretty much right after standstill was printed, uh, next year, the next block, uh, onslaught block, two thousand and two, fetch lands are printed, yeah, and fetchland brainstorm is like i almost feel that's like the dividing line of legacy <laughs> like this is when legacy the format as we know it came into existence
3: i would definitely call that the birth of legacy um I, like i always try to think of pre-delver and then you know that's that's my line like pre-delver is like because mm-hmm. legacy was completely different pre-delver like what the division between 1.5 and legacy I would definitely would put like it wasn't the legacy was created it was when onslaught fetches came into being and I think they started they started doing some of the uh, Z- turbo Xerox nonsense in certain formats and that started kind of translating to it and you know it just things became a different breed when you were rewarded for your brainstorms with fetchlands mm-hmm and
2: so along with Fetchlands Brainstorm, which we could do an entire episode just talking about how important Brainstorm is, <laughs> uh, yeah. but along with those, uh, the blue-white control list got some pretty sweet finishers in the form of Eternal Dragon and Decree of Justice. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know those those hold a special place in your heart. Can you, kind of, can you tell us about those? Because I don't think very many uh, newer players who
3: weren't playing around this time would know about these cards. <laughs> Decree of Justice was our, basically our entreat the angels. So as helpless as you felt to a bunch of four fours, it was really funny that uh, I think scourge, scourge was um yeah, yeah scourge. I think
2: that sounds about right.
3: Yeah. scourge was Decree of Justice. Definitely scourge. Um, it was just it. So for the people that don't know, Decree of Justice is. Two white, white, double X, put X, 44 white angel creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. I think I may have used that once or twice and that's it. Um, <laughs> you did not.
2: That card, that ha- that top half of the card did not exist. <laughs> right, right.
3: Uh, the real use of it is you cycle two in a white and cycling is discard this, tro- discard this card, draw a card. When you cycle Decree of Justice, you may pay X if you do put X-1-1 one, one White Soldiers onto the battlefield.
2: And the benefit with that is because it's cycling, it doesn't actually count as casting a card. So you can have a standstill out and then make a whole army of 1-1 one, one Soldier
3: tokens. <laughs> uh, I mean, this, it was really, it was, it was funny because, I mean, you get the top deck wars now and you would top deck, basically you would top deck a standstill and you put it down and your opponent would be like, well... I want to get some cards first before I try to get into engage the standstill. And you would just go cycle (laughs) and they couldn't counter it. They can't do anything.
2: Right. Um, Because if you counter it, it cracks the standstill. So you draw the cards. If they try and answer your soldier tokens, it cracks the standstill and
3: you draw cards. (laughs) Right. And I mean, the only reason, the only way to counter it was stifle. So it was, you can't even, you can't counter the cycle. So they, I mean, it was just, it was just a helpless feeling.
2: Right. Plus, and, oh, that's the salt in the wounds. Is that when you cycle, you also draw a card? It right.
3: replaces itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the card. I would say the card still would be amazing if one ones were possible. But it, I mean, Elver Secrets invalidates the entire strategy. So
2: I would say more just Deathrite Shaman. The fact that they have infinite blockers makes one one tokens a lot like worse. Yeah, I, I could see
3: that. No,
2: but yeah. So that was a sweet addition to the deck, and then at the same time, in the same set, we also got Eternal Dragon. Oh, uh, this... I I need to get this art. Like I I remember seeing this card. I I opened Eternal Dragons in booster packs, and I just loved this thing. Like the art is super sweet. I, yeah,
3: see, I like the OG one. Like I it uh, the newer one. that I think it was Judge Promo or DCI, It looks like. I don't know. It looks like Falcor from Never Ending Story. I hate that thing. It's like it's like this sad looking white dragon. He's like sad. upset nobody picked him to play soccer or something. I don't know.
2: The new art the the new art reflects Eternal Dragon's playability in
3: the new age. That's true. He's like, Oh, nobody picked me. I got it. Yeah. Like the, the old I'm not was relevant. This, like, it was this white smear across the sky and it just looked like awe. Oh, it just, it yeah, just... it's
2: it's like it's a ghost dragon, and it looks super cool, but also peaceful. And it's, and it's <laughs> yeah. super hot as a
3: foil. I love it as a
0: foil.
2: I'm oh, not gonna yeah. It does look gorgeous as foils. I think the foils are actually super expensive because of that. Um, but so Eternal Dragon, for those who don't know, is five white white screams legacy playable right (laughs) that's that's, that's my that's my kind of card (laughs) Uh, for a five five flying creature not too great on the vanilla test (laughs) Uh, has three white white return eternal dragon from your graveyard to your hands play this ability only during your upkeep that's a pretty expensive ability but what it has is plane cycling two, so you can pay two and discard this card from your hand search your library for a planes card reveal it and put into your hand then shuffle your library so, oh, was- yeah, so when L- Legacy was a much slower format, this was one of the best things you could be doing. So, yeah, Go-
3: tell us about it, Steve. Well, you're under a standstill, right? So, like, the worst thing that happened happen under a standstill is for you not to hit your land drops. Eternal Dragon allowed you under a standstill to end a turn, pay two mana, get rid of this giant bonkers thing that you don't need right now, and get a Tundra.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And you'd be exactly. able to put your make your Tundra drop on your next turn. And if you ever got to the point where you had like seven or eight mana, and they still weren't doing anything for some reason, you just pay to bring it back. You know, it was, so, I mean, it was, it was, it was perfect for the card for the, for the, for the day of age. It was perfect for Mm that.
2: And it was only a one
3: of. Right.
2: And I remember if your opponent would just refuse to break your standstill, you could just every turn eternal dragon, uh, find your planes put it in play return eternal dragon just do it over and over again and eventually you just get to the point where you don't have any lands left in your deck and every draw you have for the rest of the game is just live oh yeah it was hot um, it
3: was it was it was straight gasoline like you would just basically dilute your deck if your opponent wanted to play the, that way
2: the slowest burning gasoline ever <laughs> i mean sure yeah <laughs> for the low cost of 7 mana a turn you can <laughs> fetch a land out of your deck. I <laughs> mean, but that's kind of just what the theory of control is, is you know, you don't mind playing a lot of mana to just get pure card advantage. Like back in the day of the deck, one of the big additions was Jade Tome, which is pay four to draw a card. Like that's a lot of mana. Like that is hard to pull off these days but back in the day just paying for to just straight up draw a card like that just builds this mounting card advantage which is what
3: the control deck wants to do right well I mean the, the thing was, was those decks played so much mana um, that was before we really went into like Turbo rock Theory and playing all these cantrips and cheating our, on our land so you had you know an average of I, th- I think the least amount of lands I played was 24 back then and that was like the bare minimum um, like I was being risky. So you had so much mana, and games didn't, games weren't as fast as they are now. Like if if someone played into a sweeper like Wrath or something, you would, it would take so long for them to rebuild, and standstills would buy you that time. So it really wasn't a problem to play that kind of strategy and say it wasn't unreasonable. To go, I'm going to use my five mana and my upkeep get me my Eternal Dragon back. And then I'm gonna play my land drop, fast turn, and we're gonna keep doing this until you say "uncle." You
2: know, right? Like curves were just much higher back then. You know, we didn't have these super aggressive one drops that we have today. Right. Um, so yeah, so Eternal Dragon was a big was a big addition, uh, along with Decree of Justice. And the deck kind of stayed like that for a while, just kind of standstill value decks um, were just really popular in the format and just, I would say, became a pillar of the format for for years. Um, And then about two years later, uh, we finally get Legacy actually becomes an official format known as Legacy. So back in 2004, uh, Aaron Forsyth uh, actually had a poll on the mothership, uh, magicthegathering.com, of you know what to name this new format, and they introduced an actual separate band list for Legacy because up until this point, the band list was basically just whatever was restricted in Vintage is banned in Legacy. Um, so now Legacy actually became its own unique format with its own separate band list in 2004, which was perfect because that is when Sensei's Divining Top was printed in Kamigawa. Um, so how did uh, Sensei's Top kind of change the deck?
3: I mean, a lot of us, Sensei's top added a consistency to decks, but it was also, it wasn't seen as much play until much later. It was like, you know, really a lot of the Dirtle mages that just did not want to ever progress their game beyond just making sure they hit their <laughs> land drops and having a one removal spell or counter spell. That's what you played top. It was, I mean, purely just... How do I make sure that I can never miss what I need? I'm going to play this card. This is the ultimate <laughs> Dirtle card.
2: Yep. I mean, I remember, so I was playing in this in this time, and in 2004, I was about, you know, 14, 15. And I remember us opening Sensei's Divining Tops in packs and being like, eh, this card might be good, and then putting them in bulk bins and never touching them again because... You know, we just didn't really understand the power of, uh, you know, mixing Sensei's
3: top uh, with cards like Fetchland were yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that that really came up as much for most like, you know, I just don't remember a lot of people really being into it. A lot of people actually disliked the card because of the mana investment in it yeah oh someone showed me this like article from from
2: the that day it was like one of the first ever articles written on sensei's top and the person was just like bashing it because like this is so expensive you're gonna have to sink so much mana into it over the course of the game it doesn't give you any real advantage it's just like like looking back and like reading about it uh with today's perspective it's just hilarious how people's first impressions
3: of the card were (laughs) i I would read do you would read about stuff so there was somebody that mentioned like it was like Game takes ten turns, and you put it on turn one. You've got ten mana invested in this, and you could have played, you know, this thing in just one. And I'm like, you know, it was just like to me, it was like, no, but this thing's great. Like, I always had leftover mana because I'm holding up counter spells, so I want to spin, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so Sensei's top really
2: didn't see much play. The deck uh, more or less continued on uh, as it was, with some small additions, until 2006 when the infamous counterbalance was printed.
3: Uh, so how was that kind of scene? So Counterbalance was in Cold Snap in
2: 2006.
3: Yeah, it came out in Cold Snap. Uh, there was Everybody tried different Counterbalance decks out. Um, the, big was, the biggest Counterbalance deck I remember was the Supreme Blue uh, Counterbalance deck, but it wasn't really a blue-white deck. Uh, and uh, Counterbalance, you know, it was more seen as cute. So it's kind of funny that now because everybody remembers it. In our time period, as an oppressive, <laughs> as an oppressive deck, <laughs> uh, but like it, it does come down to the difference in mana cost. Um, yeah, curves were still high. Like the curve in Legacy was much
2: more spread out, whereas we become so hyper efficient in today's Legacy.
3: Well, there was there was you know there was natural order deck. Um, mm-hmm. There were the Goblin decks had either vials, and they also played goblins that range from one to four. So, like, you really couldn't get people the way you can uh, in today's society, because or in today's metagame, because everything is so cheap. So, but I don't think, like, Supreme Blue... I I think it was later. Supreme Blue was later, but it was basically, it was, like, a four-color counterbalance deck, and I think it played Tama Voice. And that was, like, the first big counterbalance deck that I remember. We didn't really around with it i think till like 2011 with counterbalance so i think there was a couple instances before the like counterbalance was big because it started people brewing and working on making like some people were giving up on standstill but if they weren't they weren't ready yet it wasn't well just a little bit longer that we got We kind of started giving up on, on on standstill and that was the next year basically
2: right well basically it's the standstill list stopped being a blue white list it that's i feel this is around the time when land still came into play and people were really maximizing the you know man land standstill interactions yes and the
3: crucibles
2: yeah in the crucible of worlds yeah. so it's it's you know it stopped really being a pure blue white deck and there you know uh, there will always be people who sleeve up the pure blue white list but it wasn't such a defining force in the format anymore
3: oh I'm, i mean legacy land still. I mean it was a great deck. Um it it, it, yeah, it was just different. <laughs> well, so w- where like the Eternal Dragon Strategy and the Decree, they dragged out you would win with these big splashy things. The the land still decks, they if you dragged it out, they'd just take all your mana away. You know, they would take your ability to play magic. So they'd almost mm-hmm. force you to crack standstill.
2: Right, and they would play. They would play things like Dust Bowl and Crucible of Worlds, and just grind you away. Yes, I'm very fond of my Dust Bowl. I
3: keep <laughs> trying it; it doesn't work. Um, I even upgrade. It shows it. you'll. I'll see it in
2: like an Esper list every now and then. I'm like, what you trying to do? <laughs> I saw. Um, what was it?
3: I saw it in Tesseret. Um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, there was a Tesseret. <laughs> so they played it as a one of instead of wastelands because wastelands has a database to play so many of them. And they, and once their signets and all the other monk simons come out, they have more than enough mana, so they can just sink into dust bowl.
2: I, I can see that. That's oh. that's pretty spicy. I'm always willing to give uh, you know spicy one ofs a chance. Right, right,
3: right. I mean, I remember. See, I remember in 07, we still were primary, primarily primarily blue white decks. But we played like Factor Fiction and Stifles. Mm-hmm. That's when the Stifles got added to the list. Um, yes. Because it was basically you were all in on the Mana Nile and you played Stifles and Nev's Disc. And uh, we had Red for Fire Ice. That was the card that we started playing Red for. Mm-hmm. Fire and Ice,
2: I remember being super big. Um, so yeah, so Fire and Ice, that's when we started seeing uh, Red being splashed. And then 2007 we got the huge upgrade of Ponder being printed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, which like when i think back and thinking of ponder i feel i take ponder for granted cuz i feel ponder being like brainstorm and just always being there but like before then like you guys were forced to run like portent
3: at user card
2: which is funny that we're coming back around to portent
3: today yeah yeah <laughs> yeah portent is now actually a real card <laughs> not just a substandard right and people i remember people would play
2: like four brainstorm four portent and just being like Really? There's there's nothing better than this? I guess not. <laughs> but Ponder sees play, and Ponder, I feel, is one of the catalysts that starts to really speed up the format. Um, Legacy as a whole starts getting... Uh, more streamlined, and this definitely has to do with cards that are going to be printed along the line. But I feel Ponder in 2007 is when we start to see the curve co- start you know, slowly ticking downwards.
3: It, it enables the the Turbo Xerox strategies that we have today. If you look at all of these yes. blue so, decks.
2: So, you meant, so you've mentioned that before. Can you explain uh, to our listeners who might not be as familiar the, the theory behind Turbo Xerox?
3: Turbo Xerox is basically making your deck... Uh, as redundant as possible. So instead of, you can't, because we can only play four ofs in our decks by uh, playing these one-mana cantrips. You're basically making it so you get to these cards that you can only play truly four of. So you can only play four Delvers and four Death Rites, but how do you enable yourself to get to them as you play these cheap, efficient cantrips? And it's basically like playing another Death Rite or another Delver or another Lightning Bolt if you need it or another Force of Will. Is you're just making sure that you get to what you need right
2: awesome so yeah so that ponder is what kind of started this entire mindset and really started pushing legacy in the direction that we find it today uh, but also at the same time of ponder being printed we got a new card type
3: Ugh, planeswalkers <laughs> i love i love my jace but planeswalkers <laughs> are ridiculous <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so Lauren,
2: we first saw Planeswalkers come into play. They seem like Planeswalkers would fit the control strategy perfectly because it's a card you play, and the longer it's in play, the more value you get off of it. Planeswalkers are virtual card advantage. Um, but did, you know, the blue-white control players take to uh, Planeswalkers right
3: off the bat? Um, no, because, I mean, so we didn't... The first Planeswalkers, the... Uh, the white one was creature centric and the blue one allowed your opponent to draw cards.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what control decks
3: want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so the first planeswalkers were a bit of a disappointment, but they definitely sparked uh, you know, a new era of Magic.
3: I mean, if it's actually like in my opinion if you look, 2007, the year of planeswalkers and ponder, which is also another card that isn't um it's not suited well with standstill it's it's funny you you there one's a sorcery that you know you want to play to set up stuff and standstill's like where you just want instance so these this year is when like i consider like the division like the, the, this oh seven happens and standstill starts kind of getting left behind like, goodbye buddy <laughs> we had <got>
2: time <laughs> We'll be back. We'll be back for you. We'll try you out for M every once in a while. Right. And there's also,
3: um, during, right before this, there was also um, the Scepter Chant deck.
2: Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I fucking love that deck. <clears throat> Tell us about Scepter Chant. Uh,
3: Scepter Chant is basically the epitome of I don't want my opponents to play magic or have fun or see their family ever again.
2: It was the original most hated deck.
3: <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's You'll see it. Still people trying to play it. God bless those souls. But uh, it's um it, it's a deck that plays four Isochron Scepter, which is uh, it's a uh, – what is two it? Man- two mana. Thank you. Two mana. Uh, in pr- two mana in print, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant with converted mana cost two or less from your hand. Pay two, tap it. You may copy the exiled card if you do. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. And, uh, you you know, if you look at the, you know, what we've been talking about this whole time. Even Disenchant, these are all two mana instants or less.
2: But um, it
3: also, they got to play some fun of, like... Or even
2: just throwing a brainstorm on it. Just making a repeatable brainstorm on a stick.
3: I remember Accumulated Knowledge.
2: Oh yeah, that was the other big one. That was sweet. Just
3: straight up draw those cards. Right, because you I mean, you'd eventually get the other 3 in your yard and it would just become a draw 4 on a stick.
2: <laughs> Pay 2 draw 4. Right. That's 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 pretty good even by today's standards. Right, right. <laughs>
3: um well, I mean, but the big thing is uh you, Orm's, Orms chance. That was the most miserable card to ever play against. Um mm-hmm. it was one white mana Target player can't play spells this turn. Kicker one white. If the kicker cost was paid, preachers can't attack this turn. And for some reason, and I still don't know how this worked out, but when Isochron Scepter was activated, you could pay the one white kicker, even though it's a copy, and get the well, it's effect. it's
2: because... It's because Isochron Scepter says you may cast that card. Correct. It's not put a copy on the stack. It's you are straight up casting Orum's Chant without having to pay its mana cost, which means you can then also pay alternate mana costs. Right. Right. <laughs> I I
3: agree. I just don't know how that passed through. <laughs> oh, like how? Oh, how that passed the rules community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in a sense, you could pay three mana every turn, every upkeep of your opponent, and say, you know, you gotta cast your spells now, or you're done and you're not attacking, and you're not playing Magic, good luck. <laughs> uh, so,
2: my friend Mike, um, he is a burn mage uh, through and through. But when we first started playing Magic around this time, uh, he had the Orym's Chant Scepter Chant deck, and playing against it was so miserable, and I think he had such you know, a miserable time playing it that I think it just gave him PTSD, and he is now just played red decks for life after that deck
3: <laughs> i actually think that's funny because how do you go from burn to that deck like that's like the opposite end of the spectrum i want to win real oh. quick i never want to win <laughs> I, I mean burn was so popular back then in like local scenes and stuff i played um i think several decks did this we played exalted angel which uh exalted angel was basically our sarah angel of the time and it was like it was a six mana four six flyer and it Whenever it attacks it deals damage whenever Exalted Angel deals damage, you gain that much life. Yes, it doesn't say lifelink, and I don't know why. I never had a morph customer. Lifelink didn't life Link didn't exist yet.
2: I, Same with uh, Armadillo Cloak. Armadillo Cloak is, is basically lifelink but isn't.
3: Right. But uh, that was one of our win cons. We I mean that was it was also still I believe we played Factor Fiction, Cunning Wish. Um and I think that the decree deck still played or the, the, the Scepter deck played Decree. But there was a red mm-hmm. version, and it played Fire Ices. You know, they were basically the derivatives of the Standstill deck.
2: So cool. So, yeah. So after that, uh, 2008 rolls around, and now we finally get a Planeswalker worthy of the uh, archetype, Elspeth Knight Errant, is printed. <laughs> um, so how did Elspeth change the scene?
3: Um, not a lot of – I mean, not a lot. Of, if she was basically a White Walker – came down and generated she was like a moat that could start killing your opponent is i guess that's the best (laughs) way to say it like to come down clog up the board with knights and if you know they ever stopped doing anything because you kept killing everything then you'd start attacking and killing them and it didn't even matter if they had blockers because all spells jumped for soldiers so
2: right so you would, like, Wrath a God and start making tokens, and you don't really care if you lose a couple tokens to the Wrath because you're just going to make more tokens, and you just slowly overwhelm them and then just start making 3-3 three, three flying beaters. Or I guess, it gives does the Elspeth give plus 2, plus 2, or plus 3, plus 3 in flying? Uh, I'm
3: pretty sure it is plus 2, plus 2. Yeah, um, so you just make 3-3. Three, 3-3 three. Three, three flying soldiers, just start fleeing them at your opponent's face. Yeah, I mean... I, I personally have stopped playing with Elspeth years ago because of uh, the newest Gideon is ridiculous. It's plus three, plus three, in flying. plus three, okay, plus three. Plus three. three plus I had to check because I've I been forever since I played her. You played her in Stoneblade too, but you know she the the whole jump was just crazy because it, it's a it's a it's essentially a four turn clock usually because of life loss from Force of Will's and fetches that just turns. I mean, she starts clogging up the board with one ones, and then all of a sudden you just your opponent doesn't do something or, you know, you can start jumping and going, so.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, it's and it also, it combos with Moat itself. If you still want to play Moat, Moat plus Elspeth is
3: pretty nice. Yes, (laughs) yes, Moat. Moat and Elspeth is, it was, it's actually, it's funny. I, I, today, still like to play Moat once in a while, but I will drop my Gideon and Ally Zendikar for Elspeth because of her ability to jump. Yeah, that was a, it was a big, it was a big year to have that walker, We also, um, I think we got, oh, no, that was 09. I'm thinking of Thopter Foundry. I'm jumping ahead.
2: (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so Elspeth uh, was in 2008. That's really when it started playing Planeswalkers. And the next year, we got Thopter Foundry. So 2009, Thopter Foundry is printed. Uh, which just so happens to combo with a card from about, I think it was like three or four years earlier, Future Sight? 07, yeah. Or no?
3: 07, Future Sight.
2: Oh, so only two years earlier. Yeah, so Thopter Foundry. They must have known. It. Did, how, did they miss this combo, or did they just think this combo was fine? It was only it's probably still in, like, just rotating
3: out of standard. Sure. Think about Saheeli Ray. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they printed it. the like, <laughs> Guardian came out, and Saheeli Ray was the face of... Like the box artwork (laughs) and they're looking at this cat and they're like, yeah, that's fine. That's great. Broken. (laughs) Broken combo slips through R and D. Never. (laughs) (laughs) I was at an event. I think I was, was it eternal weekend? I can't re- like all the vendors, like, started grabbing their Sahili rise like they were gold. I mean, it was hysterical. <laughs> like, they were like, he's just here. They I remember it took, just, it took literal just, minutes for Twitter to figure out, like, out the combo. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I don't think they were in block. I don't think they were legal at the same time in standard, but in legacy, yeah, it was definitely played with a ton. It wasn't even because it, it did really well and extended, and it was just amazing. I mean, it was amazing. If well, it's, that's it's, not going to last. <laughs> that's basically everything blue white once. So.
2: Mm-hmm. And is this when, uh, like, uh, countertops uh, starts coming into play again with Enlightened Tutor? So you have the Enlightened Tutor that can find Thopter Foundry Sword of the Mean. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of and Sensei's Top. There were definitely a lot
3: of decks that played with the, the, the combination of the two because of E Tutor, especially since Top let you find whatever pieces you know, you can get your Top first and then start trying to find whatever piece you need Mm-hmm. like it it was a pretty redundant deck i mean it still didn't it wasn't it wasn't oppressive um because the standstill decks didn't care about you because i mean that that's the nature of the beast at the time you can be doing all this stuff but if a standstill comes down you're still in trouble so the standstill deck those kind of decks in check
2: right exactly so you know I, I even now I feel Thopter Foundry combo kind of gets this rap of more fun than good because when you get the Thopter Sword combo going, it just feels awesome. <laughs> just, like I've seen a Thopter Foundry player hold off an Emrakul because they had sixteen mana, so they make sixteen, uh, or not sixteen mana. They had uh, seven mana, so they make seven uh, tokens. Because the tokens also have flying, right. Emrakul attacks. They sacrifice six tokens to the Emrakul, and then the last one blocks the Emrakul for zero damage. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a
3: big. I, I, I love Tezzeret, and I love it because of that only. Like it's like the fastest Doctor Foundry deck you can play, and you know it's basically because of that combo. It's it it, it is a is a fun for me because I can actually almost feel like I'm playing a tier one deck. It's far from a tier one deck, but. It's just a fun Dirtle way. You're just, you know, you don't have an Ensnaring Bridge, but you do have an Ensnaring Bridge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and it com- and it
3: combos so well with Bridge because, you know, you draw a card on your turn, you have one card, and you have an army of one ones. ones so.
2: Man, and I just want to make an Esper teserator list with Elspeth Teserator Thopter Sword. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Not going to be good, but super fun.
3: <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
3: Yeah, I mean it was it was good. I don't think it ever caught on. I think I mean I know uh, Jerry T played some stuff. I think that might have been extended, and it might have been Legacy later. But there was definitely a lot of Doctor Foundry decks going around. They were mm-hmm. they were more combo than control, because you know when you start putting these other cards in, you know you're 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 going away from I, I want to lock the game down to well I actually kind of want to win the game. Right.
2: Um. But, you know, it's also, keep in mind, Legacy is a slow-moving format. These changes are coming, like, right on top of each other. Like, there were so much in these, like, five years, so much changed in the face of Legacy. You know, going year after year, by the time you get kind of acclimated to Elspeth, you get Thopter Foundry. By the time you start figuring out Thopter Foundry, 2010 rolls around, and we get the printing of Jace
1: in Worldwake. That's the best thing ever, (laughs) but worst.
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly to a lesser extent stoneforge mystic stoneforge didn't really catch on yet but we'll cover that later um but yeah so tell us about you know jace and how that changed the format
3: um well i mean it was uh, i was actually gonna add to your point like i I actually ponder was printed in 07 but i don't actually think ponder was adopted until 2000 like 11 or 12 so your point about it's slow moving it's it's almost glacial back then because the internet wasn't strife i think the scg Tour started. I don't when they started hosting Legacy. Was that like 2010?
2: Yeah, I think it was definitely during my break. So I think it was because I remember SCG Tour didn't exist when I started playing. Um, I took a break for a couple of years, and when I came back, the SCG Tour was like the biggest thing. For right, uh, it was
3: huge. I, I, I mean, I remember we were we were driving ridiculously long places. They actually you could play at Legacy every weekend. Um, on Sunday, and it was a real tournament and at real prizes, and it was just amazing. I mean, you just couldn't believe. Um, and that's when a lot of information started getting out there, and people really started working on the format. And it wasn't just your local card shop with your guys around the table. You know, you were, you were going to play against real big names. And uh, at the same time, around that, Chase the Mind Sculptor is printed, and this boy, this boy's <laughs> everything. If, if I have to read you this card, well, I'm not going to. <laughs> it's, it's Jace, greater than all. He wins the game. You land it, and if your opponent can't deal any, deal with it in two to three turns, they're dead.
2: <laughs>
3: I, so I remember. So for hipsters
2: of the coast, when I was writing for them, um, they would always be like, "Okay, so make sure you know for newer players, you want to explain the cards a little bit, and uh, mm-hmm. so that they they can you know get an understanding of how good it is." And every time, I was just like. Dude, I write about Jace the Mind Sculptor every week. Like, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to explain. I'm not going to explain what he does every week. I'm going to take it for granted that you know know how good
3: Jace is. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of cards. Decree of Justice. I understand you don't know that card. Jace the Mind Sculptor. <laughs> what what you doing with your life? What are you? Who right. are you playing against? You need to play against more different people. Like, you just have to change. Yeah. He's four abilities. He draws a card. You no, know, good. That's amazing. He gets rid of a creature. Amazing. He stops your opponent from drawing good cards. Amazing. And then he wins the game. There you go. That's that's everything ever. Like Sarah, It's almost like the second coming of Sarah Angel, who could block and go on the offensive. He does it all, but he can't be killed with a traditional kill spell. Right.
2: And so he starts tearing up standard at the time with Cobblade uh, being you know, kind of the first iteration of just taking advantage of the value of Jace storming with uh Squadron Hawks and putting them back for just insane value. Yeah. Uh so it was wasn't too long until the legacy players started noticing this and being, huh, I might want to do that uh in legacy a bit.
3: Yeah, he actually didn't I mean I played that standard probably because maybe the Jace, I'm not gonna admit that or not. But uh he he was really not actually that good because of Blood Right Elf was still legal and then Right. And Balak actually Not- kept him in check. It was when exactly it was when um, it was when we got a, a certain uh, artifact that never died <laughs> that that he <laughs> he really became ridiculous. And that was the Batterskull.
2: That's true. Yes. Yeah. So
3: in two thousand and eleven,
2: Batterskull is printed, and Bloodbraid Elf uh, rotates out. Uh, So this is really when people start to uh, take notice of Jace and when Stoneforge Mystic actually becomes relevant. Yeah,
3: I mean, I remember that's when I remember really facing Stoneblade decks, which is also another, if you look at the traditional blue-white ones, they're a control deck. And that's when we get an off-branch and we get blue-white Stoneblade. And it's basically, I'm going to play my Mystic. If it lives, you die. If it doesn't, that's fine. I drew a card and you lost it. And I'm going to wrath your board, and then I'm going to play a Mystic, and then I'm going to gain some more value, and um, you just go on from there. So, yeah,
2: exactly. Um, and and set up and your right jays, the st- sorry, and set up your Jace. Yes, yeah, exactly. So set set up the jays. So Batterskull Stone, you know, Blue White Stone Blade. I remember being uh, a pretty popular deck in the format. Um, I would say it—it it was for about a year, kind of the go-to blue-white deck if you wanted to play it. And I'm
3: sorry, what format?
2: In uh, Legacy, I mean Standard as well. It just dominated Standard, and then uh, kind of made its way to uh, to Legacy. Yeah, it,
3: was, it it got it was real popular with Stoneblade and uh, Maverick because they could also take advantage of the Stoneforge Mystic because it's a it's a tutor. It ta- it replaces itself. It does everything. Um, the, the, the Stone blade got skull, and they got Snapcaster Mage because Innistrad um, was also then, or shortly after, it was in 2011, and it introduced Snapcaster Mage, which is the go-to control card of choice voice to this day. Right. Uh, it, the efficiency of spells and legacy between Brainstorm, Swords of Plastures, Lightning Bolt, uh, even discard spells like Thoughtseize and uh, Cabal Therapy allows Snapcaster Mage to, to just gain so much value. You get a blocker, you get a card. You know, If you ever get the Snapcaster kill spell, block another dude, that's like a two for one, and it's just an amazing amount of value. Yeah, so
2: good. And we d- hardly have any time to enjoy it because a year later, Legacy gets another shakeup uh miracles are printed with uh Avison restored a couple months after snapcaster mage so we we're just getting used to casting a bunch of value with snapcaster mage when uh wizards gives blue white another
3: gift terminus terminus the best <laughs> spell ever
2: <laughs> hold up i remember spoiler season and everyone losing their shit over a Different miracle yeah. card. Everyone thought temporal mastery was going to be the next big thing. I thought you were going to say
3: Reforge the soul. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say Reforge the soul. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, there was also hype about Reforge the soul, but I uh, temporal mastery was pre-ordering for fifty dollars. I remember. Yeah,
3: I remember 50. many of my friends. <laughs>
2: yeah, buying fifty dollar temporal masteries, uh, and also the other one was a personal tutor. Everyone thought the deck was going to be Personal Tutor, this card from Portal, one blue, search your library for a sorcery card and put it on top of your library. Um, Everyone thought, like, oh, I'm just going to Personal Tutor for Temporal Mastery, and looky there, I just set myself up with a time walk. Yeah, I
3: mean, (laughs) it's amazing.
2: Yeah, Personal Tutor went from, like, a bulk rare to, like, a $20 card overnight. Uh, but yeah, it, that's not how it actually Shaped up, uh, tell us kind of how, how the deck developed from here
3: Well it turns out that just exploring it Wasn't worth it, so uh, You know
2: I mean. <laughs> Yeah, time walk, time walk can sometimes be a very Overrated card, like obviously it's a Power 9 broken card, but there are a lot of Situations where Time Walk is just an explorer Right,
3: I mean if if you're a deck that's not Doing anything with its mana but countering spells yeah, Time Walk's just not Going to be where you want to be, but but terminus terminus was amazing at this point in time i mean wrath for wrath of god i mean four mana sorcery and and all of a sudden they're like here just have one white mana and, and you don't even send stuff to the graveyard it's to the bottom of the deck it's gone you know it doesn't matter indestructible got this no problem <laughs> it's just you know take care of this problem it's gone go away and uh you know, people started playing around with Sensei's Dividing Top. Sensei's Dividing Top and the Miracle Cards. Uh, one of our locals, uh, Mike Belfato, he went to an SCG event, Top aided, and he played the worst Miracles deck I could possibly think of to this day. It played, <laughs> it played the horrible white Miracle that was like Swords to Plowshares, but if you Miracle it, it's Swords to Plowshares. And it was like, you have Swords to Plowshares, you don't even need this. Um, you have path to exile. Just play path to right. exile. I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> if you really want more swords to plow shaders, but,
3: but so. because of the busted nature of of terminus, and you know nobody was no everybody at this point had was used to tribal on tribal action where they're just slamming mur folks into goblins into bad elf decks and they're just like filling up the ground with creatures and burn decks and maverick and and then this this quiet. Blue-white mage walks in the room and goes, Terminus? And just everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. So it, it, yep. it was a huge shakeup. And then along with Terminus, we got an actual finisher with Entreat the Angels.
2: Right. Harkening back to uh, Decree of Justice, players saw Entreat the Angels and like,
3: oh, I remember doing broken things like this in the past. <laughs> yeah. and I mean, Entreat really just gave the deck a win con, and there was arguments one two, three entrees, some, you know, different amounts were played because, you know, you could play it earlier stages for moat and what later stages to win. But it was just, you know, it was a very, it was a very big shakeup to the way the blue-white control decks were played. And then several people started testing counterbalances. People started showing up the power yeah. with Yeah. Well,
2: I would say the big, the big thing with that is right around this time, Rug Delver started becoming such a dominant force. Yes,
3: yes, which lowered... which That was the big thing. We had the Delver Secrets printed, and you had yep. Maverick trying to compete with it. Everybody started lowering their curve because they wanted to get in under the Delver cards, keep locking you in stage one, so they had to drop their mana curve. Zoo, Zoo got locked up and went away, and you basically... Was one one drop, two drops versus counterbalance because of the evolution of the cards.
2: Right. You know, Delver of Secrets was printed two sets before in Innistrad. Uh, Miracles were printed in Avistan Restored, uh, which is the third set in the block. And that was basically just enough time for Delver to sink its claws in the format. And Rug Delver developed as a deck that just punished these expensive uh, expensive mid-range decks. And everyone just got forced lower and lower and lower. And lo and behold, Miracles gets printed. And all of a sudden, Countertop is primed to just pick
3: apart the format. Right. I, I mean, a lot of people blame the different... Things, but if they really look at it, the printing of Dover Secrets and the abuse of Stifle, because the Canadian, the, the Canadian Thresh deck played werbear. I, mean, play, it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't blame that deck. Like that deck, that deck wasn't locking you in Stage One and sacrificing its own self with lands and Stifle and stuff to lock you out. It was the Delver of Secrets where they had a three-two flying the cattle that just happened to be blue and pitched to you your Force of Will that really just tore up the format and counterbalance couldn't really thrive in earlier formats because the the cmcs were just too diverse but now we had a format where everybody's playing ones and twos and control mages were just like oh sweet i've got this
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and you know from there on out like miracles was a dominating force for about Three to four years afterwards, basically from here on out, we just kind of have some spice being added.
3: Um, the, thing about the first couple years, there was different
2: versions of the deck. And yes, those, the it, miracles hadn't coalesced into what we think of as today. Yeah,
3: Joe Lissette had his I, "I play way too many creatures" version, which is Legend Miracles I love that version because it's so fun and fun, but it's not really a control deck. You know, it can play a controlling role, but it's not a control deck. And then you get the Shonagur school call up come up and it and that's when you started seeing ponders, ponders and ponders, and he's playing four ponders and all the Delver decks are playing four ponders and we're into the Turbo Xerox that we are today. And, you know, Ponder doesn't really shine until then. And, you know, all of these decks are like I can cheat on lands, I can play twenty lands and you know, miracle pilots today. Eighteen lands. Oh, yeah.
2: eighteen lands, four of which are wasteland. Perfect.
3: <laughs> My man, that's perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then from there, we just kind of get some more spice, like uh, in twenty twelve. Uh, Rest in peace is printed. So for the barest minute, rest in peace, Helm of Obedience uh, was the combo for the Miracles deck. <laughs> um, I feel that kind of never really took that much hold. There are
3: still people playing it at your FNM.
2: There are. I know there are still people who won't let it die. Like, I'm never surprised when I see a Rip Helm come into play because I'm like, all right, we're doing this. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But
3: I played it at an SCG open. It was fun. I got to E-Tutor for a Koranos to counter our Force of well. <laughs> it was amazing, because I had a counterbalance in play, and I e-tutored for a Koranos, countered it, felt great, and then I got murdered by every Abrupt decay deck after that. But, you know, I felt good for about a whole half a second. Right.
2: <laughs> so it's just, at this time, like, Entreat the Angels, what it, the two main Miracles decks were the Entreat the Angels version, and then, like you said, the more creature-based that was Snapcasters, Vendillion, Clicks, Inventors. Yeah, and Vensers. Um, rip Helm yeah, legends, miracles. Rip Helm, miracles was kind of the kid brother that uh, wasn't really as powerful as its big
3: brothers. Well, I just found out that you really didn't even talk to party. <laughs> wow! <laughs> like, <laughs> like you would play against one of these poor Rip Helm opponents, and you were just like, they're like rest in peace, and you're like, okay, sweet counterbalance. And like man, I just lost. Like we both played oh, two man okay. enchantments. One of them did something of relevance. <laughs> So it's just it was it was something um you know it was it was a derivative it was nice it was just underpowered it it would probably look a lot better in today's metagame, cuz there's less abrupt decays but it's still clunky and you're playing this tutor package it's card disadvantage and that's really not what you want from a blue yeah, white deck a blue big... white deck fundamentally is trying to gain cards
2: yeah that's the nail in the coffin is it uh eternal tutor is uh, sorry enlightened tutor is just card straight disadvantage you pay a card to put a card on top of your library well and that's just
3: that that point is actually what leads to the next evolution is uh to predict miracles mm-hmm.
2: and right e-tutor Wait, is you're getting ahead of ourselves uh, did i
3: oops <laughs> well
2: because we still have so wizards i feel kind of realize they may have messed up a little bit And we get thrown a bone with Abrupt Decay being printed. And I feel Abrupt Decay is another big milestone for Legacy. Can you imagine Legacy 2012 uh, going forward to from 2012 playing Legacy without Abrupt Decay? I think Miracles would have been banned four years
3: ago if Abrupt Decay had never been printed. Yeah, I think Counterbalance would have gotten axed in 2012 or 2013. Mm -hmm. It would have been banned. Uh, One, like, one one or two cycles of just counterbalance versus counterbalance would have probably just axed counterbalance.
2: Right. But we got abrupt decay and it was not really enough to fight the miracles
3: menace, uh, but it was just enough to give people hope. Well, it actually was. um, The Charlotte's decks were really good. It just forced the miracle decks to adapt. And that was the power of, Blue White control was as if you go through the history, every time Blue White just decides it's going to change what it's doing. And with mm-hmm. that was when Predict Miracles started being played. And Predict Miracles was the answer to the abrupt decay. It was basically like these these shardless decks that had so much card advantage and they had Ancestral Visions and Hymn to Turok, and the Shardless Agent, which is a just a horrible magic card. It's like a Draft Common at best, but it's amazing when you fill it up with Endotorox and Ancestral Visions and um, they start playing Predict, and Predict was... I, I mean, I, I played against several Shardless opponents. Um, I, I was very against moving to the new four ponders. I didn't mind playing the Predicts as much because we had played with them before. Um, Reed Duke actually played predict before everybody else did. Um, He played as, because he didn't want to play a second Snapcaster mage because he didn't like creatures. He played a predict in the two CMC slot for counterbalance Um, Hmm. because you had to have so many twos to count counter twos reliably. And when you look at it, uh, predict was basically your answer. I mean, Shardless took a hit for a little while when we had the Delve spells come out and mess up the entire metagame. And it wasn't as good, but, you know, it started coming back, and it would have probably put Miracles back down if Predict hadn't been uh, brought up by a bunch, bunch of guys. Um, Minhajul Haq, uh, Anurag Das, uh, these guys all champions this Predict card. And it was amazing. I mean, you started predicting, and you're predict lead to another predict another predict, and you didn't care, and your opponent would be drawing, like, cards that were garbage, and you'd just be shuffling through your deck so fast. Mm.
2: I know Min has said that he believes predict is the reason why Top got banned. <laughs> like, he thinks predict is uh, what really set the set the deck over the top. I, I don't think that's
3: why Top got banned. The, the next card we're going to talk about, I'm pretty sure, is why Top got banned.
2: <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Uh, 2015 monastery mentor is printed
3: yeah this card this card is a dumb magic card it's it's restricted yeah. in vintage for a reason it's a creature that's that's a ridiculous statement and it's still kicking vintage butt like it's there still- are still decks named after it in vintage they call it like blue white red mentor it's a restricted card you're naming it after one card why don't you call it blue white red black lotus blue white red time right. walk <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, monastery mentors printed, and now, so what I think, my personal theory is there were so there were lots of miracles players, but you had to be very good to win consistently with miracles, uh, because I think a lot of it people had problems closing out the game, and if you the more turns that go by, the more likely you are to make a mistake that allows your opponent to claw their way back in. Monastery mentor like shaved miracles clock in half. All of a sudden, you have this threat that you can close the game out quickly. Yeah, the card is...
3: So, I mean, on the, the, the go-to-time thing, I also think that people under Counterbalance play excruciating slow because they're trying to figure out how to get around it with the mind games. But that's part of the problem. Because, I mean, I've I just played Counterbalance this weekend at the SCG Classic, and we had I had games that would last forever because my opponents are like... Kind to of like mentally like read my mind. What did he put on top? And they're slowing their 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 frames. They're just so slow. Like, they're giving
1: you like stank eye from across um, the field. Like just
3: they're like, does he got the two on top? I don't know. I mean, and they're so afraid of just losing card equity that they just slow their pace down to a glacial. They they want to be just like me. I get the Thunder Mage. So, but we got mentor, and mentor was amazing i mean mentor i i hated it at first because there's a creature but like you put them in your sideboard and people took their removal out and you just played it down and they'd look at it and they'd go it's a three mana two two what's that gonna do and then they died two turns later because yeah. the, the it's true i mean the power of top with mentor i mean i actually remember you played mentor in your beloved deck
2: uh, yeah, I, I was playing mentor top in sneak and show like that's how good the card was. I like that's how I won my uh I won the Wormwood Open with uh, blue white red sneak and show monastery mentor in the sideboard for just the gotcha moments and like against Eldrazi, I would just activate City of Traders, uh, play Sensei's Divining Top. Tap top, draw my second top on top of my library. Play top again. Oh, all of a sudden I just made a bunch of um, uh, monk tokens. I have blockers for days, uh, and I just literally set up a wall until I can assemble my combo. Like the
3: card, the card interaction with Sensei's Divining Top was just insane. Yeah, it was. It was busted in half. I mean, the card, the card single handedly took a lot of our bad poor matchups. Because if you were a deck that played like mud or 12 posts that played cmc's that we could never match at all so you know it doesn't matter if we could demonic tutor our deck we still couldn't counter with counterbalance you were a bit of a problem for us and you know our clock wasn't fast enough put them under pressure so they would get the ability to gain their 15 27 mana whatever they need to cast some thing that i can't even spell because it's got emerald aeons torn for crying Love and we just die but then Monastery Mentor came along, and we just – every time I slam on a turn three, and I'd look at my opponent, and I'd tell him, you have two turns. And <laughs> they, they would start playing their come into play – their what is it? Uh, the post land that gains life, Glimmer Post. And I gained two life, and that's adorable. That's an extra couple tops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you just – it was it – was, and it also broke the mirror open. You know, the, we we were spoiled up. It's at this point we would side out all of our removal because all the blue creatures that we played, 9 click, snapcaster, died to red blast, which we wanted in our deck anyways. So we didn't need removal, and now all of a sudden we have this white creature coming down, and that up all of them out. Yeah.
2: So mentor pretty busted. Eventually leads 2016. Can't believe, man two years ago quote unquote <laughs> more like a year and a couple days but uh 2016 top is banned and everyone you know miracles dies we never see miracles ever again right steve oh uh,
3: 2017 right <laughs> it was it was uh, it was it was 2017 <laughs> i don't want to talk about it it was 2000 april 2017 not that i'm still crying but yes april 21st i think right
2: Oh, was it twenty seventeen top of yes. the band? I thought it was 2016.
3: It was just oh it was just last year. I'm still in denial. It's PTSD going on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, sorry, you guys had to go a couple months without playing miracles.
3: <laughs> I um so I went to a tournament that weekend. I was signed up for a team team constructed tournament. And that week my buddy was on Sahili combo control. I was on miracles. They banned Beldagar Guardian and Top that same week. We were three <laughs> days before our event and no idea what we were going to play. <laughs>
2: Team tournament where both decks get knocked out. <laughs>
3: yeah, it was amazing. I went. I, I showed up with uh, just with, just miracles without the top and, and the and, uh, counterbalances, and switched my permanences for supreme verdicts and just went to town with that and i actually only dropped one match because it i was very lucky and my and nobody knew what i was doing and neither did i so it worked out really well
2: opponent <laughs> can't read you if you don't know what you're right. doing
3: <laughs> i mean i was cuz i played blue light control forever and it was still blue light control it just you know it just didn't have the efficiency rate and it was it was a different it was a different kind of deck but yeah they they took top from us they were evil people. I'm glad they did it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, because a few short months later, Search for Azkanta gets printed and Miracles is
3: reborn. Yeah, so This this card is insane. Um, I would say that any control, not just like legacy, but modern, standard, it doesn't matter. This card should be in your deck. It does everything. It's, it's, a, it's a scry. It's a card advantage engine. It's an extra mana. Like, there are... there. Are, I, I played in... I, I played at the Classic. I put down a Search for on turn three. I flipped it on the beginning of turn four, and I drew my card... When I scribed for my card, it was Entreat the Angels. So I finished, I moved it to the... Two into a land and put down two angels on the beginning of turn four and my opponent looked at me and was like that you have two angels already. I said, yep. And
2: <laughs> <laughs> turn four, turn four, two four, fours. That's, that's pretty decent. Yep.
3: <laughs> and, and, and still made my land drop. Like it was funny. I yeah. had, it was, it was just, it was perfect. Uh, I, I can't, can't say anything bad about the card. If, if you don't die right away, if you do what Blue White wants to do, which is you don't die right away, the card just gives you everything you need. Yeah. Uh,
2: also, going back a bit, I do. I'm going to be remiss if I don't mention this. But uh, uh, when Miracles were printed, and Miracles became the dominant Blue White deck, uh, we really saw Stoneforge Mystic, uh, blue base Stoneforge Mystic decks, really take a back seat. Yes. Um, no one was really playing Esper Stone, uh, Stoneblade. Or, you know, blue-white control other than, you know, a couple crazy players. It wasn't uh, the pillar in the format it used to be. And for those couple months when uh, Miracles was banned and people were still figuring out what the control deck, we did see a bunch of the Stoneforge Mystic decks uh, come back into play. The Esper decks have been putting up numbers. Um, Bant put up a couple numbers while um, Miracles was a deck. But I really don't consider the Bant list as much a control deck as just a mid-range deck.
3: Yeah, there was there was several attempts at, um, during Miracles, when Miracles was still being figured out, there were several Esper decks, and then the, that's when actually the Deathblade decks came out with the, the printing of Deathright Shaman, and those had all kinds of different cards in it, but they were all mid-range decks. The actual traditional blue-white control deck basically died with miracles because if they played it like the deck was a 50 50 deck you that that yeah. was what you're going to work really hard to win miracles was not a 50 50 deck you had like two or three matches that were abysmal but everything else you were favored so it was always a hard argue why am i going to play this 50 50 deck where i'm going to work really hard or i can just play miracles Right,
2: it it basically came down to miracles is the best thing you can do, probably just in legacy in general. Let alone the best thing to do in blue white. So I mean, why play that subpar deck? I, I remember trying to like brew blue white decks that weren't miracles, and every single time I would just arrive to the fact that this is just a bad miracles deck. Why don't I just play miracles?
3: Right. I mean, there was several like in two thousand twelve. I think it was Grand Prix Indianapolis. Tom Martel won with Esper Stoneblade. And it was very much a control deck. I think he had, like, I think he had eight creatures. I mean, for real, a Stoneblade deck, one a GP, eight creatures. Uh, it was, like, I think he had three Snapcasters, four Stoneforge Mystics, one V-Click. But he had three Jaces and then all spells. Uh and he had Lingering Souls. That was the other card that was huge. He had the Lingering Souls, which were creatures too. And I mean, he just locked his opponent out, put down his souls, and you know, he would you know, he would eventually just grind them out through card advantage and win the game. But, like, that was a very short window because that was 2012 and the Miracles, I don't think they weren't printed or they might have just been printed and they, nobody really thought about them as a deck. So... Shortly after they just disappeared. I mean, as soon as it just people realize that you're just working way too hard to win with that deck and you can just permanence everything away every turn,
2: mm-hmm. I do think with new miracles, there is room. We're still seeing the stone blade decks uh, put up some results, um, so I do think that there is room for them to coexist, but we'll see. I think stone blade is always going to be better as a three-colored deck rather than a straight blue-white
3: deck. The blue-white side is wastelands and factories. The only problem with it is it doesn't really work very well when when Culligan's Command is a real spell in real decks in their main <laughs> configuration. I mean, there, there's no card that just trumps... Like, the whole point of Stand Forge Mystic is, even if you kill it, you're up a card but K command just says no nope, I killed it and you discarded a card. So it invalidates the entire strategy and a lot of decks like unchecked a batter skull comes down they can't deal with it but yep there's that K command. It also deals with batter skull. So it's just it's a very it's a very difficult thing to deal with. I mean you know well, I remember playing Batter Skulls and dropping it down for five mana and getting it through and then even if they kill the token, I just get it back. But this, you know, K command just invalidates the entire necessity to play that without playing something like True Name Nemesis, like the uh, Bant Deathblade decks that you're speaking of. The Bant the Bant Deathblade decks, they're they're basically true name Leavel decks that happen to have Stoneforge Mystic with them for the ride.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's why I kind of just put them in their own league uh but yeah so that kind of takes us to to modern blue white that was uh that was i like that that i i feel that was uh fun we maybe we'll do that with some other formats in the future or other uh arch- archetypes in the future
3: yeah i mean it's it's great i mean there were some shout outs like the fluster storm council's judgment there were cards that were printed along the way like, oh, they yeah. just like we i'm sure we missed a bunch like <laughs> side cards, but, you know even like shout out Get mage and can, land can, tax
2: <laughs> Yeah, containment, containment priest, right. and you know we we saw a bunch of just kind of like sideboard cards and sar- cards that were just nice additions. Surgical
3: extraction, the card that should have never been printed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd probably still be on reanimator to this day if surgical
3: had never been printed. <laughs> I, I mean, I lost a reanimator, into, in the classic. He game three. He had the the nutter butter. I'm on the pl- He's on the play show me the angel put in a grizzle brand I'm dead or no he put in hey, I, I, I'm sorry
2: I told you to make that goat sacrifice to Grizzlebrand, and you didn't listen I to did. me and you lost a you lost a
3: reanimator sneak and show sneak and show that's what you get I did I, did. I lost to the three combo <laughs> decks in the format I died before turn two my turn two it's life I'm 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm good with it because like it, it gave me a perspective like I've been like listening to the band death right sauce and and I died. I didn't die to a single death right? I died to drizzle sh- brands, all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
2: so, you know, it, I I like where New Miracles is uh, in the meta now. I kind of want to refer to New Miracles as just N U apostrophe Miracles. I think that's how I'm going to I'm going to do it. N- <laughs> like New Miracles, it's a fancy, uh, high end mall uh, clothing shop. <laughs>
3: what I always call it. Yeah.
2: Like, <laughs> um so I think it's in a good spot, but if if Wizards was to print a new card, like what, what would you say you would want most for the
3: deck now? Oh, I'm not allowed to say Sensei's dividing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you can't you can't say sensei's dividing time.
3: <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know. Uh, I mean a scry engine that was not terrible. I mean with, with Search for Ascanto, we kind of got <laughs> exactly what we needed. Um, I'm loath to accept a new planeswalker that could fit the deck for the simple fact that while I love planeswalkers, I also hate them because they they're just they're changing the way Magic plays so much that you know cards like Disenchant aren't playable anymore because there's you don't have room you need like a vindicate effect because they could be playing this planeswalker and it could run away after two turns um, so I, I don't know I mean cards. A blue flash creature, if I say a white flash creature, that's not kind of fair because it could be Red Blast. Anymore. Red Blast right now is like the best card in Legacy, in my opinion. Like, that's not Deathrite or Delver because Red Blast just answers everything so well. So if it was going to be fair for everybody, a blue card. If it wasn't, wasn't going to be fair, a white card that, that generates value. That's what I would want. Nice.
2: Awesome. So yeah, that uh, that takes us through uh, Blue White. Uh, real quick, before we leave for the night, we did just have two major legacy events.
1: Yeah, we did. We'll probably get into these next week, I think. Oh, Come on, Pat. I know, bad. I know, but we're I'm, running I'm, I, late. I got this. <laughs> 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 we'll probably get dive done. into these next week, I think, because we're at ah, we're almost at 90 minutes now, so fine. Gotta leave gotta leave them wanting more, man. Oh, man. Leave them wanting more. Uh, you if you want longer a episodes, if we hit the next, if we hit the next tier of our Patreon <laughs> Get goals, we'll do two-hour episodes. <laughs> Get out, you! <laughs> <show> <laughs> just I mean,
3: for further support,
1: contact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Follow the link in the show notes. Hey, I see the numbers. I know how many people listen to this cast, and I know how many people support us <laughs> on Patreon. So I know, I know what the difference is, guys. I can do math. You need a Facebook okay? poll. I just want
2: the listeners to know my love doesn't need to be bought. I give it free.
1: Mine does.
3: Buy my love. Facebook poll It's right better now, than Jerry's. Pat, and Jer- Pat versus Jerry. Facebook poll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it right now. Do I have to be an administrator to create this?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Fine, we'll get into it next week. Um, I want all- to say the Menace deal list looks hilarious. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> we
1: we do have a we do have a Hascon promo to give away to you know, Jerry.
2: Oh yeah, we got to do that. Let's so give out.
1: All right, so we have we have a few runners up, and we're going to be shipping you guys out some prizes as well. I, what do we decide, Jerry? For the runners uh, up, I
2: got some. I I got a conic kind of booster pack. So yeah. Got packs of iconic boosters, iconic yeah, some, masters. Well, can't talk. Uh, then we got like stickers and yep. uh, some other, you know, just so some, 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 some nice, nice little nice goodies. Things.
1: Awesome. Some do some doodads so, and trinkets. <clears throat> these are our, our forerunners up in no particular order because we just had to we go said, in the top five. We had a ton of just, really good entries, actually.
2: Yeah. Can I just say it was so tough to choose? Like we're doing four because we said three and then we just couldn't decide yeah. between, yeah. between <laughs> like, narrowing it down to three. And just getting it to four was
1: super hard because there yeah. were so many good ones. It was it was really uh man, this was a great contest. I enjoyed it a ton. I really, really did. Um all right, okay. so uh without further ado, I'm gonna I'm just gonna read off these uh with the the, the pe- person submitted and the quote. If you haven't seen the picture, I'm sure you can dig it up at the Facebook page. Uh first one is from our friend Not So Silent Bob, foiled out deck white border duels. I know this one is this one really tickled Jerry.
2: <laughs> uh just to describe it the picture is two kids sitting on Santa Claus lap just screaming. wailing their yeah, eyes out. Just so upset to be taking a picture <laughs> of Santa Claus. <laughs>
1: uh our, our our next runner up, our friend Brooks Dorsey. Uh so you kids want blue duels for Christmas? No problem. Sunken hollow or prairie stream. <laughs> um, ben Borodaka. This is a little bit longer, so it's a, it's a story. So sit down.
2: Yeah. Oh, and Ben's actually coming on next week's episode to talk Stone Blade. Nice,
1: nice. A disheveled mother, obviously stricken with worry, a lack of sleep, and a slight glimmer of hope holds her too nervous and upset children closely. She walks up to St. Nick, her sunken eyes lock with Santa Claus, and he knows their family is in trouble. The family had been visited. He quickly grabs the little boy and girl and sits with them on his red velvet-lined throne. St. Nick flashes a glance to the mother, signaling that he will attempt to help the children. The boy squeaks, Can you? He is convulsing at even the thought of whispering its name. Can you help us? Santa responds, With what, my boy? The boy says, My home. We were visited by the one they call Grizzlebrand. Suddenly, Santa's pupils dilate and his jaw drops. His head contorts to meet the mother's face. The boy and girl have seen this before, and they know what is happening to their beloved Santa. The children start to scream. Their cries rattle through the village. Santa Claus reveals a slight grin and whispers, Pay seven, draw seven? (laughs) The children continue to scream, but they know it's too late. Christmas is over. St. Nick repeats, Pay seven, draw seven. <laughs>
0: that's
1: like a that's like a creepy pasta. I like that. That's
2: like that's like his creative writing class. <laughs> oh my God. It was it was definitely.
1: I felt chills. Uh, our, our next runner up. Our next runner up. Uh, ben Travis uh, submits. Jerry's Halloween costumes are getting out of hand. <laughs> and uh, and uh, well, there's one more head start here. Is that the we got four? The that's the four. And then our winner. This is the winner. Um uh, we're sending out Jerry, what are we sending out for this?
2: We're sending him the Hascon exclusive, the uh Grimlock, uh Nerf War, and uh I am blanking what's the oh uh Swords of Sword Dungeons. of Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons. yeah, the, the, the whole Hascon, Hascon promo box
1: set. With the uh it has the uh the dragon token in there as well. So we're gonna send that out. Um so this one is a uh, picture and I'm actually you know right now I'm going to uh I'm going to share it in the chat real quick because I want you guys to see it as well. Um,
2: <laughs> and don't worry. We are going to post this up on the Facebook page as well. So when you get to this part, just head over there and we're going to post this and the winners uh, uh, runners up. So you have, uh, to a, the page.
1: you have the first picture, which is the two children sitting happy on, on Santa's lap. This holiday season, you're round seven winning an opponent. And then Santa pulls off the beard. Will be me. Kill, children are just crying, <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he has photoshopped oh, yeah. my face. Oh, the Photoshop! It's it's just so it's so
1: good. It is so funny. Like Jared, oh, I was oh crying when I opened this up. I laughed so hard. It was so good. So like uh, he did a good job. Oh, he really did. He really did. So congratulations <laughs> to Connor, uh, local guy, right? Good guy all around. Uh, I know he drops in my stream sometimes. So congratulations to him uh we'll send him out the either send him out to him or we'll meet up with him at an event or whatever um and 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 make sure he gets this uh and thank you to everyone who submitted uh yeah who submitted super good they were like yeah it was really hard to pick it was hard to pick five (laughs) of all these um we really enjoyed it and we will probably be doing more stuff like this you know as we go to more events and get some more swag we will uh Definitely raffle off or have a little contest like this because I, I think it's a lot of fun for our listeners and it's a lot of fun for Jerry and I as well.
3: So the little kids' faces <laughs> on this picture are amazing, so good, right? <laughs> like he photoshopped the kids' faces too. Like he went. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. That this is amazing. This is priceless. Yeah. <laughs> it's so
1: good, so good. So thanks again to everyone who uh, participated. We had some really great entries. Uh, we hope you all had a uh, an awesome Christmas or whatever you celebrate and continue to have a great new year. And, uh, and, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Should we get into
2: scoops?
1: Yes, we do need to get into scoops. Jerry, why don't you go first, man?
2: Yeah, so uh, I wanted to thanks uh, thanks I wanted to thanks uh, James any for I believe I'm pronouncing that right Sorry if I'm not James uh, for he sent me uh, the awesome article by Steve uh, Mendian Mendian Menendian. Uh, Mendian 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 uh, which it, yes <laughs> That's what Pat said what pat said uh but he wrote this awesome basically online book on just the history of old school and vintage Mm -hmm. and had a lot of great information about the deck so we're gonna throw that in the show notes if people want to check it out uh great article uh and it's part of a series of articles that just kind of goes over the early days of magic uh, and also just wanted to scoop in uh, Aaron Bronchek for sending me our friend Sam's uh, Kitchen Table Magic episode where he, uh, Sam actually interviews Brian Weissman about his creation, The Deck. So shout out to both of you guys for uh, helping me uh, with researching for this episode. Awesome.
3: Uh, <laughs> Steve, how about you, man? Who are you scooping into the topic this week? I'm going to scoop in all the uh, wonderful people I got to play with uh, uh, SCG Columbus Classic, including the three Grizzlebrand players that beat my face in. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd like to scoop in all of my local gaming super guys, a legacy group that we play every week, uh, Perp Rule, Harry Taylor, all these guys, just they help helping support legacy and keep it going in our local area.
1: Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, all right. Uh, if you want to find Jerry, you can find him on Twitter at JME3RD. You can find me at Pat PatUglow. Stream is twitch.tv slash Uglow. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Find the Patreon in the show notes. How about you, Steve? If they want to get a hold of you, where's the best place for them to find you?
3: Um, at a store, jam, and legacy. But I, I forgot one more scoop. Uh, I want to scoop you guys in. I want to scoop all of the legacy content. You, got, you guys, uh, Legacy Breakfast, the Brainstorm Show, all of you guys, you keep the hype going. Like, Legacy would die if it weren't for what you guys do every week, basically shouting, hey, we're still here, um, play, have fun, and even jam Grizzlebrand. So, you guys are on awesome.
1: <laughs> <Aw>, Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, man. Much appreciated. Uh, all right, Jerry, you have a, a diet roll here?
2: Um, I have a digital die because I don't Jerry. within
1: reach. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I got, Google. I, r- no, Google's going to help me. <laughs> I got a D20 right here. Use the uh, Google. So, so does gotta Google. Use the D20. <laughs> it's got to be real.
2: It is a D20. Look, I can, I can set the number of sides. It's the
3: 21st century. I've seen wizard's uh, deck shuffler program. I'm not sure if I believe in this.
0: <laughs>
3: I'm not sure about this random generator.
1: <laughs> uh i got a five the number was five all right rob curlin <laughs> what do you call a number that won't stay still what a roman numeral
2: i like yuck.
1: it i like it
2: I feel bad last week's uh last week's I know somehow I
1: forgot to the episode uh, with the P V D that got featured on the mothership. I somehow <laughs> forgot to add the intro music and it got the episode got cut like three minutes short. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm really upset about it. I I, 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 I I can't even discuss it. I'm mad. Uh. I, I, I think
2: it's the curse of being featured on The Mother Show because every time we have an episode featured on magic.com, it's always an episode where something goes wrong. Uh, goes wrong
1: as in, like, <laughs> I messed up some editing on this one. The last one, Jerry was taking, like, 20-minute bong rips what? on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're making pasta over there, Jerry.
2: I was making pasta. Wow. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. All right. You know what? Just because I'm in a bad mood, let's get a Roll it again, Jerry. Roll it again. What, what? I want another joke
2: another joke i want a two fur in this episode 10 <laughs> 10 did we do Cor- did we delete the joke from last week yeah
1: cory ah. cory kozlowski uh how many mtg players does it take to screw in a light bulb three one to do it two to stand and watch telling him how <laughs> telling him after the fact how he could have done it three turns faster <laughs> nice. That's a good
2: one. Um, do we remember whose joke it was last week? I want them to
1: resubmit it. Uh, it
2: someone, someone wrote a big, long joke
1: that that had a great payoff. Was so. it? No, it, was it wasn't a long one. It was a short one last week. Was it a short one? Yeah, two it weeks ago it was the long one about the goat. No, that was
2: Marcus. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. So, what was last? The last one? Shit. You know what, I have the raw audio, I can probably find it. Alright. Oh wait, no, I deleted it, but I can pull it out of my, my deleted box, so.
2: <laughs> this joke is so good, guys, trust us, when you hear it, you're going to laugh your asses off for like three years. Uh, such hype, such hype. <laughs> Alright, all right. bat. let's get out of here. Alright, we'll Play us out with something sweet. Alright,
1: I will, and it'll be actual music this time, we'll just end dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. That was so oh, embarrassing. Man.